do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 52. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast about getting writing and shared some ideas and hints about how any of you, whether you're a classroom teacher, head of department, researcher, somebody who thinks about design and technology, can write and share your ideas. And I was talking there mainly about sort of short articles that might go in professional magazines. And I've had some comments back about why, why is this important? Why do we need to write about the subject? And, and it is a valid question because we are a very visual subject. We produce things, we produce products, artifacts, um, systems, processes that change the way people work, live, uh, interact with the, the world around them. But my view is that we need to have this written form so that we are building up a body of knowledge about the subject and about how it can be taught and what difference it makes. So I regularly get emails or questions on social media about, Alison, do you know any research about this or about that? And sometimes I can find stuff and sometimes I struggle. I particularly struggle when it's a new topic or something that maybe actually be an old topic, but is now being presented in a new way. And so, for example, let's take a topic that's been talked a bit quite a bit in, in the UK or particularly in England at the moment or on edu Twitter or has been around knowledge organisers. So some people ask me, where's the research in design and technology, Alison, about knowledge organisers? Well, I have to say, I really struggle to find any because what we have to be aware of is that terms like knowledge organisers are current. They're topical, but actually they have something else behind them, which is about making forms of knowledge or new knowledge or different types of knowledge accessible to children that can scaffold them and so on and so forth. So when we ask those sorts of questions, when people ask me those sorts of questions, I have to first of all start to think, well, what is this thing that I'm being asked about? And is it actually being talked about previously in a different way? And I have to kind of use a thesaurus, whether it's my mental thesaurus or I have to go online and type in some of those phrases to try and do a little bit of research about them. And as I said, invariably, I don't find much of that. I find it difficult to find some research. Um, 
also partly it does take me quite a while to do some of this type of activity so when people do ask me that can take me half an hour an hour and I, I can't do too much of that going looking so that's why my challenge back to the community is well what are you writing about it what are you writing about your practice so that you're building up the body of work about design and technology you know design and technology is very much a practitioner-led subject it's history lies in practice. It's history lies in what was going on in the classroom that then influenced policy. And that's true for many school subjects, not just design and technology. But because we are a design-led subject, that very idea of trying things out, testing things to move our thinking on is inherent in all of what we do. So my view is that we need to write about it so that other people can look back and build on what you've done, what other people have done, or you're building on what other people have done, to add to the field about the subject. So that's why I think it's important. There's there's more as well around that, around if we build that body of written knowledge about the subject, then for teachers in schools, when they see new ideas, new ways of thinking, that to be honest aren't always new ways of thinking presented by senior leaders and the examples tend to be given for for many different reasons from things like history and science they ask well where's the design and technology example and that is partly because we don't write so much as practitioners about the subject or when we do I've noticed that we write in a particular way about the subject we um, show a new project and this is where my master's project came from is that you know it was it was around the time when CAD and CAM was really taking off as early on in my teaching career when I was a secondary school teacher and you know I was going along to conferences design and technology association conferences for example and you know as as happens now Teachers were sharing their practice about what they were doing with CAD and CAM. But I was going along and I was I was really just seeing another project. You know, uh, another design and make activity that this time could be done using uh, a CNC machine or a 2D um, cutter machine or, or whatever. I wasn't actually seeing new stuff about pedagogy or subject knowledge I was seeing a, a a new project and that I had to say that really frustrated me because I was thinking I'm in my classroom and I think this is where many of the questions I get come from I'm in my classroom and I have this predicament or this this thing in design and technology that I'm wanting to do and I I need to know what I can do about it and I'm working on my own which is why it's great to have these communities that are happening and um, that I'm seeing popping up all over the place about, you know, sharing ideas. But some of that needs to be written because not everybody can attend those different events or is part of that community. So by having them written, it makes it possible for people to find them and to share. I do apologise for my dog in the background. He's not happy about being shut in the kitchen for a few moments. But so, so that's why I think there is a responsibility from the DNT teaching community to, to write about what they're doing and to, to add to that body and to influence, but it to be more than just a showcase of 
here's a great project I've done and here's some photographs of children's work. I think we need to talk a little bit more about why we've done it. What's the context of why we've made this change? So as I said, I go back to my um, CAD CAM stuff, my, my MA dissertation, and, and I was in this situation around, you know, I might have 10 PCs, one CNC machine, 25 children. How do I manage it? That's what I was curious about. So I started by saying that's the context. This is the new political context, small p, um, for design and technology. What, what needs to be understood to make this effective? And so I started from a perspective of then talking to different teachers about what do they see as the issues about integrating CAD CAM into their classrooms, using it in a meaningful and purposeful way. So I got loads and loads of ideas and feedback and then sort of themed those, grouped those. And then went back to those same teachers. Okay, these are the, these seem to be the main issues, the main questions. What, what's the solutions? What could we do? What could we try? And again, more ideas came out, solutions this time. And then I went away as the researcher and, and took some of those and worked with two teachers and we tried some of those things out. And then after we tried them out, we came back and we evaluated their effectiveness. Now, how we evaluate their effectiveness is in lots of different ways. Sometimes we can do that numerically because we can look at children's grades or we can do it in a perception. Um, so as a teacher, I was getting them to write journals and um, make notes about how they felt about the management of the class and how they felt the children's learning was progressing and so on. And then I wrote that for my dissertation. Now, I made a bit of a mistake and didn't didn't take that any further in terms of putting it out as an article, whether that's in a formal research journal, like the Design and Technology Education International Journal, or whether that's in something that's um, slightly different, but like a professional magazine, like the DNT Practice Magazine. But, but that's what we need is people doing that type of activity and then publishing it. I, I missed a trick there and didn't do that. So I think that is really important. And I would encourage you that if you are trying things out, that you make some notes about why you're doing it. What's the context of why? What, what other work are you using to frame your solution? How are you planning to try your solution, your intervention? And how do you know if it's been successful? But also, whilst you're planning all of that, thinking about how you're going to share it. Okay. So that's my, that's my sort of challenge back or um, my argument back about why I think it's important because we are a practice led subject. We need a body of knowledge that other practitioners in design and technology can draw on to build on, to show that the subject has a grounding and a foundation. So that's why I think it's it's really important. If you want to uh, share with me your ideas about what you're thinking about, you're more than welcome. But I'd also suggest if you're sort of planning a study, have a look at um, chapter 20 in the Learning to Teach book, which was written by Stephanie Atkinson, about um, using and doing research in design and technology education. There's some really great ideas there about how you can find current research and what you can do with your research to add to the community of our knowledge about design and technology education. As ever, thanks for listening. If you've got any questions, comments, you can find me on social media at hardy underscore Allison on Twitter or on email via my website. You've been listening to the Talking DT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter 
at hardy underscore Allison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. Thank you.